is the most reverend doc here once again to address gun control i am moved in the spirit to do this after reading that my fellow man of the cloth that pinnacle of ecumenical the reverend jesse jackson informed america that semi-automatic rifles are a national security threat he said that they can shoot down airplanes and blow up railroads railroads mind you not just the odd locomotive or caboose i quail in fright for our brethren at Amtrak and Union Pacific. Perhaps out of concern for the sensibilities of the nation, the Reverend Jackson didn't explain that these rifles can also shoot down satellites, destroy cities, and sink continents. 
Have you seen Smith & Wesson's new Sputnik, Nagasaki, or Atlantis models? No, folks. As you know, I'm not a reverend, but neither am I an old fraudster like Jesse. When the anti-gun lobby scrapes the bottom of the barrel to drag out a vintage reprobate like Jackson, you know they are getting desperate. When a hoary, liberal has-been like Jackson resorts to out-and-out fantasies about airplanes, railroads, and rifles, you know he's reached a new nadir of irrelevancy. Airplanes and railroads, indeed. This is Doc Toops wishing you life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Welcome to the Shooting Bench on Survival Circle Radio Network, keeping you informed on guns, news, politics, guns, survival, preparedness, and guns. The tyrant is holding our country hostage, and our freedom is at stake. It's time to take a stand and tell the tyrant, we will not comply. Join me now in the never-ending fight against tyranny, right here on the Shooting Bench. All right, here I come squealing in here to home base just in time to be late. So we, uh, it is the 18th of May, and it's a Monday. I hope everybody had a good weekend. I promised everybody a show tonight, so I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do. I'll tell you, Amy and I are are so busy with stuff that we do. It's unbelievable. So that's why I'm very unpredictable here lately. I'm thinking I'm going to try to uh, maybe go back to Winamp and start doing live shows again. I get in here just in time. I don't like to record them a day early because so much happens in a day right now. So I'd always be behind. But I always think I'm going to get in in time to do it. And, you know, I get in here you know, 45 minutes or an hour before the show and I have to record it and download it and upload it to the to the server and and all that so it makes me late so so anyway hi uh and we got a lot of other stuff going on my mom's not doing well so i'm probably gonna have to uh here in a couple of days i'm probably gonna have to be gone out of town for a little bit so anyway i'll uh tell you more about that when more happens so but anyway, I, I don't even know. We've got so very many things to talk about tonight, and, and some of them are, are related to the virus stuff that's going on. Some of them's not. So we'll just go down and take these in no particular order, since I haven't got time to organize things properly. Even when my things are organized properly, they're not organized very properly, so we'll just make do with what we got. And uh, this is something that I... 
remember from uh, a long time back, probably in the in the seventies, they passed a law, and I should have looked it up, <clears throat> but they passed a law where um, the Indian police on reservations had, I don't remember exactly, I think they had jurisdiction on uh, state roads and over non-Indians, you know, on, on state roads. So I don't remember exactly how that was worded, but they've changed something here. Um, this is, this is brand new. And I don't know if this is going to apply federally, but there were 17 South Dakota congressmen that sent a letter to the governor of, uh, yeah, of South Dakota and stating that the, the state does not have authority to enforce state law within the boundaries of a reservation. And so they, they also criticized her for, uh, other actions that were being confrontational and demanding and unconstitutional and, and all of this kind of stuff. So, uh, and this is happening all over the country, everywhere, every state, there's this kind of things happening where, uh, judges are striking down governor's ruling and governor's laws and direction directives and whatnot. Uh, people are standing up and going back to work. We talked about this quite a bit last week, but um, it's it is definitely happening everywhere. People are are beginning to finally be pushed to that point that uh, that final straw, I think, is about to be dropped on the on the camel's back here. There, um, they they wrote a letter to the governor and said we could have could have helped facilitate conversations and given your office unique insight as to the history, culture, protocols, and vernacular of how to work with the tribal governments. You elected, however, not to contact us and send an ultimatum to both tribes. Now, this governor, this is, this is why they have attorneys and advisors and stuff like that. Um, most anyone you would think would know that the governor can't just up and say, okay, you can't do this on the reservation anymore because the governor has pretty much zero authority on the reservation. But uh, they said that the state does not have authority to enforce state law within the boundaries of the reservation. This was made to the uh, Cheyenne River Sioux tribe. This is what, what the tribe has argued. Your letter indicates the state of South Dakota objects to tribal checkpoints on U.S. and state highways, regardless of whether those checkpoints take into consideration the safety measures recommended by South Dakota Department of Transportation. This is not an accurate statement of the law or the policy of the state of South Dakota. The legislature has not passed any bill stating as such, nor does the state of South Dakota have the authority authority to enforce state law within the boundaries of the reservation. Now that's uh, except for traffic laws. If you're if you're speeding on a state or county highway that's within a reservation, both the tribal police and the sheriffs and the state police have jurisdiction on those roads. 
um, from what I'm told here. I've been studying into that quite a bit since I plan to be in that position by November 4th or whenever the swearing in is. No January sometime, I guess. So um, I've been looking into that quite a bit. And I get a lot of conflicting uh, conflicting information about this depending on who I ask. You know, county personnel tell you one thing. Uh, you look up uh, statutes and then the, the old-time uh, law enforcement people say, well, yeah, statute says this, but so I don't know for sure. I'm going to have to get some attorneys on this and get them to help me out. But anyway, that's what's going on in South Dakota right now. And in Delaware, unrelated to what the last story was, this is uh, this almost shocks me. I'm I'm really disappointed in this uh, in this story. It was about a um, an elderly couple. They were in their 70s or no 80s, in their mid 80s. And they were at the Veteran Memorial Cemetery in, hang on a minute, I got stuff happening here. In a little town called Bear. And that, that's in Delaware. At 20 and 10 o'clock in the morning, 29 year old man shot both of them. Um, one of them died at the scene, and the uh, the woman died at the scene. The husband died uh, at the local hospital later. They were both in their 80s, having died from gunshot wounds at the Delaware Veterans Cemetery. Uh, let's see, we've already talked about all that. Okay. The shooter, I guess they got him right away, got into a gunfight with police, which uh, had him run off into the woods. He was later found dead with, from a gunshot wound. And... Uh, which, you know, some people say, well, you know, he should have gone through the the uh, process and suffered in jail or been put to death or whatever. But, you know, it takes a long, costs much money. It's just as well if they just, you know, put them out of our misery and put them out of our, our budget right then and be done with it. No. Um, when he was running from police, he said he came out of the woods into an area near the residence of this other um, man who told the news station that he could hear the sounds of a gunfight, a firefight. Um, uh, he just talks about bullets hitting the windshield and breaking the glass and doing all this stuff. But this gunfight, they say, between this guy and the police lasted roughly six hours. That's quite a gunfight. This guy must have... Uh, carried a significant amount of ammo with him there even if he was just shooting one round every every little while that's still in order for him to say that the gun they didn't say the standoff lasted that long the gunfight lasted that long but uh anyway there was uh 12 employees at the cemetery at the time apparently all of those were were safe so it doesn't say, it doesn't give any indication whatsoever, any clue at all as to, as to why this happened. The guy just shot him, 
gunfight with police wound up dead. So that's uh, that's a little little odd. All right, let's go on. I got to keep moving here. This is this is a government website. This is from defense.gov. And this bothers me. I'm trying to find out some more information on this, but this is this is not cool. It may be strictly for government employees, but the DOD has awarded a $138 million contract to get pre-filled pre-filled syringes for a vaccine that's not even available yet. They got a $138 million contract enabling pre-filled syringes for a future COVID-19 vaccine. The, uh, you know, I'm not going to read the whole story here, but this is a little bit worrisome for me. There's been talk of, uh, you know, using the military to uh, force vaccines, vaccinations and stuff. I don't know if any of that's true, but um I sure don't like the, the sound of it, whatever it may be. In, well, we talked about uh, skip trace or contact tracing last um, last show. And this is getting to be quite a problem. Lots of, there's a whole website dedicated to um know what you can do about contact tracing in the state of Utah. I don't know if other uh, states are following this or are you know doing the same thing or not. But um, see if I can find. There's a website called, and, and I follow these guys all the time. They've got a lot of good good information involving you know BLM and and uh, Bundy's and you know, just all manner of uh, grazing uh, issues and water rights and all that stuff. It's called Defending Utah, defendingutah.org. So if you want to go look this up about this uh, um, contact tracing stuff, you can go to defendingutah.org and just find that and then look for anything that has to do with HR 6666. This is a this is door to door contact tracing and what you can do about it. So I'm sure that a lot of this would apply to other states as well. If you remember the deputy uh, Parkland Parkland School in Florida, the deputy that was hiding behind cars out there for however long it was, never went in. The coward. You know, the, the yellow-bellied coward that he had out there for a while. He is being reinstated with back pay, if you can believe that. Um, Sergeant Brian Miller, first supervisor to respond to the shooting, took the lives of 17 students. An arbitration ruling this week found the sheriff's office violated Miller's constitutional due process rights and improperly terminated him. This is astounding. It's flabbergasting to me. He'll receive full back pay and get back his seniority 
he made more than $137,000 in 2018. So he's looking at uh, probably 200000 or or somewhere thereabouts and getting his, getting his seniority back. You know, I don't think if I were in his shoes, I don't know if I'd want to go back to that job. Um, what he could do and, and, and what, what he may do, I haven't heard this yet, but he may go back and collect all his back pay and everything and then quit because I would definitely not want to work where everybody knows that I'm a yellow bellied scum coward. And it seems to me that that would be a bit of an awkward working environment there. Because if I was a deputy on that force and he came back, I would never let him hear the end of it. I would wind up getting fired probably. So that's, uh, that is more than astounding to me. I've got another one of literally hundreds, probably thousands of stories here where people have lost everything they own because of this stupid lockdown here and this virus, this uh, make-believe pandemic. I say make-believe. I know it's, I know this virus is real. I know it's killing people. I, you know, I get it. Blah, blah, blah. Ben Bourne. But it is not being handled properly at all. The long-lasting repercussions of this we will be seeing for probably the lifetime of everybody that's old enough to be listening to this show. But there was a guy that um, had a real passion for music and teaching kids and and all that, and he just saw his entire life's work just virtually wiped away at the stroke of a pen. Now, in Michigan, you, we've heard that uh, this Gretchen Whitmer, what a, I, I can't, I'm not supposed to say it, but she is that. This guy's name, he owns, um, his name's Steve Walker. He owns Walker Music and Textiles in Hastings, Michigan. Literally broke down and cried on TV during this interview and when he told the, that this Michigan lockdown order had forced him and his wife out of business. He, um, the, there's, there's all manner of restaurants and small grocery stores and, and every, every type of business out there. And they're they're being they're being destroyed because of these this these governors are drunk on a little bit of power. They they have no no uh, valid information to back up the things that they're doing. They just pulling stuff out of thin air and and destroying people's lives over it. It's just it's just awful. There's a, there's also a, along those same lines, there's a flag company 
that has been banned from producing Memorial Day materials by a government order. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's just no end to the number of these stories here. There was, uh, who was it? I forgot. There's a, there's a grocery store here in Arizona that had done everything they could do. There are farms that are, you know, when we talked about the number of animals in the being um, euthanized and the, the farms going under and the upcoming food shorties. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have most assuredly, beyond any shadow of a doubt, I have seen grocery prices and certain things going up and fairly significantly, uh, particularly milk around here. But there's been some other things, too, that we buy regularly that are a little more money than they usually are. And it's noticeable. And I, and we talked, we had, did a whole show on this here, what, a month ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And I fully expect that this summer is going to be, uh, actually probably next winter is when, we'll, when it will really hit us. Early next winter. Late fall, early winter is probably when it's really going to, kill us so as i've tried to convince people to do for the last 40 years of my life is to get some food storage put away you need to have a minimum of a year's worth of i mean you can you know having having two or three months will put you light years ahead of most people out there but it ain't where you need to be you need to have a year's worth of stuff whether anything from survival tabs to ramen noodles to spam to whatever rice beans uh, pastas um you know whatever potato you know mashed potato flakes uh dried milk whatever. And I was thinking today, and I think I've probably mentioned this, it's been a long time, but I think I may have mentioned this once before. This is not going to be all about food. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have you looked in the top drawer in your bedroom and see how many extra pairs of socks you got? If manufacturing stops or things get too crazy, how long before you are having to wear your shoes barefooted, socks, underwear, shirts. How many shirts you got in your closet? How many blouses you got in your closet? Got enough to last for a couple of years if things really get hairy? Look and see what you've got. You got extra toothpaste? You got extra um, you know, first aid supplies? Just basic hygiene and health items. You, you you listen to this show. You you may or may not take any advice that I give you, but um, I would think long and hard about what's coming up here. And if you think something ain't coming up, <laughs> you're goofier than hell. Because it is coming. 
All right, let's move on here. I got to get done. Here's, um, here's, you know, I, I, I've, I've talked to people on Facebook. Oh, you're just, you know, don't listen to everything you hear on Facebook. Don't listen to it. It's, it's verifiable. It's local. You know, uh, most of you probably wouldn't have to drive very far to verify this with somebody that you know or somebody that you can talk to face to face. And that is the fact that these uh, coronavirus deaths, that there's so many things people are dying of that are being blamed on coronavirus because they're getting all this money. We talked about this a little bit already, but it's getting out of hand here in Colorado. A man died of alcohol poisoning, but the death was blamed on coronavirus. And this is, and, and they got caught. So this may be shedding some light on some other places. And, um, you know, hospital, they're, they're getting all this federal money. The Indians out on the reservation are getting tons of money for all this coronavirus deaths and cases. So every time somebody, you know, something happens, they get extra money. This is never, ever going to go away until the money stops. They need to do it, say, okay, that's it. You're going to have to deal with this on your own. This is not the federal, you know, this is not the taxpayer's responsibility. It's over. We're not giving you any more money. The next day, you know what the headline is going to be? Coronavirus miraculously disappears. And that's what's going to happen. There's... um if I'm able to do a show Wednesday, and I may not be, I may be on the road, so I'll uh, I'll have somebody jump in on the chat room for me, and if I'm not able to, and and uh, let you know. But uh, there's I have a really good long essay kind of opinion on the origin and reasons for this coronavirus. It's probably not going to be like anything you've heard, or, or most of you anyway. So I told you, I don't remember if I told you this or not. If I didn't, I'm going to tell you now. If I did, I'm going to tell you now anyway. I told you, I know I told you here a while back about the 57-hour curfew. On the, out on the reservation, on the Navajo reservation. They shut everything down at 8 o'clock at night on Friday and open it up again at 5 o'clock on Monday morning. And during that period of time, you are not to be out doing anything anywhere unless it is filling a prescription or getting some groceries. And uh, this last weekend, they even put an end to that. They completely shut the reservation down. What used to be called essential businesses were shut down. Grocery stores, gas stations, uh, everything. You, you, you can't, there is nothing you can do. And uh, there, this is just absurd to me. It's crazy. <clears throat> but it's like I told you, this is killing me too on this election. I've got some plans for that that I'm not going to talk about just yet, but I've got some plans that might help. 
J.C. Penney's, after 118 years, going bankrupt. They uh, apparently are going to try to reorganize here a little bit. But in this story, I, I read the story about it, um, everything that's happening here, and I was reminded of I I've, I have seen the very first J.C. Penney's. It's in a little town called Kemmerer, Kemmerer, Wyoming. K-E-M-M-E-R, Kemmerer, K-E-R-E-R, Kemmerer, Wyoming. And I still, for whatever reason, I have no idea, but I still vividly remember um, exactly where that store sets. If I was to drive into Kemmerer today, I could take you right to that store. Uh, no matter how much everything, anything's changed there. But uh, anyway, thought I'd throw that little tidbit of information in there. Starting this last Saturday, um, like day before yesterday, in New Mexico, the little communist twit that's that, that that's the governor there has declared that, and she's already being taken to court over it, but she has declared that masks will be mandatory at any time that you're out in public. Now, this can be out by yourself somewhere. When they say out in public, they're just talking about out of your house, not around people if you're anywhere. Masks statewide are mandatory. This mask thing is driving me crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, let's move on. Just real quickly here in Scottsdale, in Arizona, in Scottsdale, Arizona, there was a, a young guy. Well, he's not that young. He's 41. He's young to me. But um, he uh, heard the dogs barking and going crazy, looking down the hallway. He grabbed a shotgun, went down there. It's a good thing he did. Because there was a naked man in his daughter's bedroom. And the naked man come out and, and charged this guy. And, of course, a couple of shots from the 12 gauge. And that's the end of that story. So moving right along. Um, now, here, this, this mayor in New Mexico, I just told you that uh, she's making things, making the mask mandatory statewide. So then a day later, she declares this, um, she wants to have a contest. She wants to, uh, they're going to be judging masks. Not how good they work or how well they work. But interesting. Apparently, let me try something different here. This was an official KRQ. Oh, there it is. Never mind. I thought it was taken down. New Mexico Mask Madness online competition on Friday. Oh, is it the day before, I guess? On Friday. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham 
but now it's statewide competition called New Mexico Mask Madness. It's intended to highlight the creativity and artistic ability of New Mexicans amid the COVID-19 pandemic. New Mexicans can submit a photo of their submitted. She's making it fun. Making it where everybody wants to get a mask and play. A photo of a face mask or face covering online. Submissions will be accepted until midnight, Sunday, May 24th. The public will be able to vote on their favorite mask and face. How stupid is this woman? This is the damnedest thing I've ever heard of in my life. The top voted entries will be uh, seated into brackets. And New Mexicans will then be able to vote for their favorite mask in each matchup until a champion is crowned. The champion will also be awarded a prize. How awesome is that? What makes you want to move to New Mexico, doesn't it? Does that just bring a tear to your eye? That's amazing. In uh, South Carolina, Chuck might know something about this. Police hang a closed sign on the gym door. The owner replaces it with a bill of rights and opens it up. And now he has, uh, I believe he's been arrested, or at least they um, forgot what the story said there. But anyway, it's what I was telling you earlier. People everywhere are telling the police and the governor and everybody else, you know, you can go to hell. I, I, I have to open my business. I have to feed my kids. I have to pay my bills. You know, I have to pay my mortgage. I have to pay my, my, my business loans. And people are saying, you know what? Just here's, here's another one. Um, two moms in Texas ripped down the caution tape from the playground so their kids could play. These playgrounds have been off limits to eliminate contact with others. You know what? These women said these, these kids need to have contact with others. The hell with this. There's, uh, says police across America finally starting to refuse to enforce unconstitutional orders. And this is going on right along with all the people that are, that are, uh, disobeying these unconstitutional orders. I think I better save those two. I've got several other things. Oh, guess what? Amy, you remember Eddie, you know who Eddie Haskell was? You ever watch Leave It to Beaver? You never watched Leave It to Beaver? Really? Are you freaking kidding me? Unbelievable. YouTube, here we come. All right. Well, anyway, Eddie Haskell died. You remember on Leave It to Beaver, Eddie Haskell was the was the uh, friend of the older. What was uh, what was uh, uh, what was the name of the? It was Leave It to Beaver. What was his name? Beaver Beaver Cleaver. I don't remember what his real name was. He had an older brother, Eddie, I think, not Eddie. Eddie? No. Eddie was the friend. Anyway, 76 years old, and he died. Okay. Well, I think he probably did die of coronavirus. Yeah. He almost had to have. All right. Well, it uh, shows a little short here, but I need to hurry. 
and uh, I have every intention of seeing him Wednesday, but I may not be able to. I may be on the road. So I will keep you informed and let you know everything that's going on. And good night, and thank you for joining me. Well, that wraps up another edition of The Shooting Bench. Join me Monday and Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific, and again on Fridays from 7 to 10 for The Shooting Bench. Good night, and thanks for joining me.